Listen up, dear listeners in the UK. There's a brand new guitar show this year, the Brighton Guitar Show. It's a one-day show happening on the 15th of July at the Brighton Racecourse, and it's going to be great. We'll be there along with loads of your favourite boutique and major brands like Two Notes Audio Engineering, Chapman Guitars, Fidelity Guitars, Thought B Effects, Pedal Patch, Bright Onion Pedals, Ranger Effects, NRG Effects, Great Eastern Effects, Iverson Guitars, Kurt Mangan Strings, Maybury, Leighton, Lemon Audio, Xander Circuitry, and loads and loads more. What more excuse do you need to come to Sunny Brighton, the birthplace of guitar nerds, than a guitar show full of guitars, pedals, effects, and accessories? Come say hi, hang out, have a beer, and check out all the cool gear with Matt, JD, and I. You might even see a few of the OG guitar nerds hosts knocking about. For tickets, visit brightonguitarshow.co.uk or check them out on social media with Brighton Guitar Show. See you there. Here at Guitar Nerds, we're big fans of Isotope Software and their impressive range of plugins. And you, dear listener, get 10% off all Isotope plugins at isotope.com with discount code NERDS10. Every Guitar Nerds podcast for well over five of its ten years has been edited, polished and repaired using Isotope's wonderful range of tools. From their nectar sweet to EQ, compress and lightly add reverb to give the impression that Matt and I are in the same room, to the RX repair suite to deal with pops, clicks and background noise. In fact, every sound sample that you hear on our podcast is mastered using Isotope's Ozone Mastering Suite, and I can even compare audio, EQ, and levels to other similar released material using Isotope's Tonal Recall. It's all very good, and believe it or not, there are a bunch of free plugins that you can try. A vinyl simulator for added character, the Ozone Imager for help visualising your stereo mix, and a vocal doubler for added richness and depth to your vocals. Pretty neat. Check it all out at isotope.com. Oh, no. I just realised I didn't open my dad jokes. So <laughs> I will have to cut this uh, start of the, uh, of the, of the podcast. Just open up my dad jokes thing. I just googled dad jokes. <laughs> I have a little document because most of them are terrible. So, uh, so I, I've got a little, uh, a little document. Matt, Joe, why, uh, why should you always take an extra pair of socks when you play golf? <laughs> why? <laughs> In case you get a hole in one. Oh. <laughs> They're getting worse. I'm scraping the barrel of dad jokes now. Dear listeners, help me. Help me. Send me dad jokes, your best dad jokes. Please make them good because I'm well, running out of quality. Uh it was funny because you said you hadn't opened your dad jokes before I'll, we started. I'll probably keep all that in, to be honest. I'll probably and then the um, I Googled it, and the first joke I read was that one. So when you really? said it, I was really? like... Is that yeah. why you laughed? I yeah, I that's why I laughed, because I was like... <laughs> I literally read that exact same joke oh, wow. as we as we started. It's a good one. It's a solid, um, it's a solid, solid joke. It's a solid, solid joke. Um, but yeah... Here we are. 
Here we are. Here we are. Welcome, dear listener. Welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Mr. Joe, hello. Hello, hello indeed. Hello, dear listener. Matt, you're wearing a lovely um, uh, Guitar Nerds long-sleeved T-shirt. I love this. I love this T-shirt. It's great. It's it's a great... um, it's a great T-shirt when you are not too cold, but you don't want to be too hot when you put something on. So you don't want to put a jumper on, but you still want to wear a T-shirt. I see. I see. You know, a nice long sleeve T-shirt. It's, it's kind got of the like- new logo. The new. I mean, the logo's two seasons old now, but the logo that we had designed by Jessica Jumpers. Yeah, maybe we need a new. Maybe we need a season. Three, four. Logo. Yeah, I could re, I could recommission her. I, I, um, Jess is obviously a good friend. I don't know if I've messaged mentioned this on the podcast before, but Jess from Jessica Jumpers, who is a good friend of mine, um, who is the the wife of Dan from Cleft, who uh, passed away um, a few years ago. We spoke about on the podcast quite a long. Mm. Good friend of both of ours, and you know, Matt, you invited Dan to shoot some some boss videos years ago when when we were just sort of starting out but Jess has been a friend of friend of ours since then and she's she's now actually uh, uh she is now in a relationship with mike venard uh they live together and have a cat and uh um uh, mike actually helped out with a, a couple of i i recently asked um jess and and mike i guess by proxy to put together i want to do this giveaway later this year for guitar nerds so I got them to Mike design this thing. Well, with Jess, you know, Mike suggested them, I think, and Jess designed it. It's the Guitarna's logo, but each letter is a letter from a br- from a guitar brand's logo. So in the oh in the, in right, the front, okay, yeah. So, so it's kind of like what you'd do if you were going to like hold someone to ransom. And you're going to create a ransom note, but exactly. I mean, I don't know if we hold people to ransom. I mean, some people pay for our Patreon, so uh, I guess that's similar. (laughs) I guess so. I guess technically (laughs) we do hold them to ransom. Um, Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'd like to see see that. Yeah, so the the giveaway... Sorry? Keep things fresh, I guess. Yeah, it's very fresh. But uh, the the giveaway is going to be people need to guess each of the brands in the logo. Haven't quite worked out how you do it yet because if you do it on social media, obviously that's good for social media because it means you get more comments, dear listener. Which in in the very vapid world of social media is a good thing. Um, but of course, all it's going to take is one person getting it right, and then everyone else just copy pastes the answer. So it ruins the fun. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to do it. Maybe get people to email in. Do people still email? Is email a thing? In 2023? Well, I use email a lot for work, um, but emailing people... Do you know what? I I don't really even know the best way to communicate with people anymore. Dear listener, how would you like me to communicate this? Uh, You can email your answer to me at info at guitarneds.net. There you go. It's it's just one of those things, isn't it? (laughs) I don't get that many texts. I don't really get any emails. Um... I guess I have the occasional phone What's call. That? I don't use Instagram anymore. Oh, you're um, off everything. People tag you all the time, Matt, on the Guitar Nerds group. Um, I uh, there was there was a little bit of fallout, Matt. Last week we were talking through the Fender um, signature series, and there was someone that you said you didn't know. Now, I didn't know either, but then 
I'm quite proud that I didn't know this. And so someone had messaged to say they were, it was, you know, they were surprised they were that you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> they were offended that you didn't know. Um, it was, uh, uh, it was a signature model for the fella from, um, postal service's main band. Um, oh God. I they can't remember. Called, uh, people shouting at the uh, at, at at their at their radio at their services at their phone. Yeah. I've just put postal service into Google and all this stuff has brought me up my local. <laughs> <laughs> postal service into what uh, uh, my local band. Um, I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Do you, did you ever listen to Postal Service? I, I find that guy sappy. I don't. I wasn't really a massive fan, but I remember a few people talking about right. them. Um, it was uh, Ben Gibbard, and the other band was Death Cab for Cutie. That's oh. The, Martin Cox was very surprised that Matt Knight did not know who Ben Gibbard was from the Postal Service and Death think, Cab for Cutie. I think it's because my music taste is Do you weird. like Death Cab for Cutie? No, I don't really think I've... Not that I don't like them, but I don't think I've ever really listened to them. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I Occasionally, my girlfriend plays them, and I've thought about listening to them in the same sense that I've thought about taking a toaster into a bathtub with me, but, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> I um, I don't know why. Joe, do you... Uh, the, how these two bands are linked, but I thought about mm. these the other day, and I saw one of the songs from Postal Service. Do you remember right. a kind of? I think were they math rock band called Height of Abraham? I have never heard that name in my life. Oh, I just like when I was at BIM, I remember they're a band. I think they were kind of like a tappy tappy math band uh-huh. um, before we, anyone really knew what math was. Math um, was but yeah. I don't think they exist anymore because you only get the site the heights of abraham which is in the pig district <laughs> uh, when you google it or an electronica band from 1993 so I um i don't think that exists anymore right. but yeah i i mean i'm just not down with the kids well i'll tell you what matt something that might appeal to you something that i i read today um i actually have it on my phone so i might read the transcription of it it was um a letter from a handwritten. This is a transcription from a handwritten letter okay. from John Frusciante, um, who you you obviously are a fan of his. And, I know and who he is. <laughs> but you were a big fan of the Chili Peppers. Right? I am. I'm still like, a big uh, fan of the Chili Peppers. Do you, do you like John Frusciante's solo stuff as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. No. I right. when 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 I was when I was a young boy. Um, I guess like early 2000s. So, you know, John Fashanti had come back to the Chili Peppers and he had that sort of like really like prolific era of releasing like lots of music. So he did six yes. albums in six months and yeah. every project was totally different. He did that wicked project with um, Josh Klinghoffer and yeah. Joe Lally from Fugazi. They did yes. a band called Ataxia. Um, he did an acoustic record. Like all of those records are really good. Then I he liked did, the acoustic record. Then he did. He got. He did he a then, trap record as well, which I thought was yeah. They, those ones sort of came out later because then he did a record, a really good record called Shadows Collide with People, and he was like, people always think that like hate on my music because I'm basically just doing it in a four track in my house. So he did like a proper studio record, and it's amazing. And I right. went to buy a copy on vinyl. Obviously, it was only pressed at the time of launch, and it's like, 
800 quid i'm like no <laughs> and then he did another record about 10 years ago now called the imperium right. um which is really really good and then he left the chili peppers and then he went i'm not going to play guitar anymore and i'm just going to make electronic music and some of it's really good and the, the some problem of is i actually hit, really I- hit and miss well, I actually quite like Trap, and I listened to a fair amount of electronic music, and I thought his stuff was fine, but it was like a cheap imitation of so – it was kind of like – it was great for him, but it, it felt a well, little bit like a kid showing you that they could play E major. Well, you know I what I mean? Like it was- the, uh, the interesting thing is, like having read a few interviews, and obviously he's done a lot more since he's been back, he's actually – I didn't realise this until more recently. He's married to like a – um a dj and she's like famous like a famous jungle dj and he's like really into jungle and he's always been into electronica but basically when he quit the chili peppers he was like he bought two roland mc202s a 303 (laughs) from you juno and then just went i'm just gonna make music and i don't really care if anyone listens to it so he put that out as trick finger that's his like electronica name and then he did a couple of kind of weird obscure electronica guitar records more recently i think he had one called maya maya which is named after his cat um and the, the, <laughs> they they're just really hit and miss and then he did yes. a record ah oh, man his record that just came out he made on the road during the first comeback tour of obviously the chili peppers when they did their other record and he was like, obviously I've made a lot of music recently where it's like really busy and then going into rock music. So I wanted to do a music. I wanted to do an album where basically there was like nothing. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Right. He was like, I I think he was like, if I remember the interview or the podcast correctly, he was like, I found like beauty in like looking at like statues and how you could get so much emotion out of something that basically doesn't move. So he put a record out, an ambient record out called one and two, and they are two separate records that are both about half an hour long. And they're effectively, they use one, uh, they use an electron electron mono machine, which is synthesizer and analog four, which is another synthesizer from uh, electron. 
and effectively they are just really slow bits of ambient music um using those two things they basically just like evolve over time wow. very bizarre that sounds great it's, it's, sounds it's cool. cool um he was also in a he was also in a band called speed dealer moms speed right. dealer moms um at one point is it well. is it is it spelt american is the mum spelt uh, yeah, with an o m o m mom um but yes i know who john Frusciante is and i'm a big fan yes okay well Frusciante. well my of course my favorite artist of all time is omar rodriguez lopez and by extension the mars volta are very important to me and and of course um uh john Frusciante is responsible for the best solos on francis the mute and architecture and really like he he solos also uncredited on bedlam and goliath and you know there's isn't he also doesn't he also do the solo on Deloused, it doesn't he hasn't he got I, the solo on Citra's ESP or he I, he yes yeah yes he's on, he's on the first record as well yeah yeah but basically you can always tell because he has a very specific soloing style I mean yeah. in that it's very very different from Omar Omar mm-hmm. is trying to almost tear weird sounds from his guitar whereas mm-hmm. Frusciante has this rock basis almost this blues backing i I remember one of the you know one of the a a real early interview that i read with john frusciante in total guitar when i was a kid and i was learning guitar and this made me feel right about the fact that i didn't want to be a shredder i'm not saying that i could be a shredder if i wanted to dear listener but i'm saying Mm. that Reading this made me feel okay about the fact that I didn't want to, and I didn't like shreddy guitar solos. They weren't nice sounding. They sound stupid. They sound vulgar, and it's like it's like a, a, a shreddy guitar solo to me is like a suit covered in gold tassels. Just because you can <laughs> have that doesn't mean you should have that. And sometimes just a slick, well cut black suit is fine. And uh, and and John Vachante did this interview in Total Guitar where he was like, "I don't need to play." He said something along the lines of, "I don't need to play all the notes. I need to play the right notes at the right time for the song that I'm playing." And you know that 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 always really resonated with me. I think it's why I liked Neil Young from such a, a young age. Uh, mm-hmm. because, yeah, yeah. I thought you, I, for some reason I, I thought you were going to say Will Young then. I, <laughs> I sort of misheard it in my head, and I was like. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's no, that's no. rogue, but fair enough. Yeah. If you're into Will Young, you're into Will Young. I'm just, don't, let, don't let me get yeah. in the way of that. Anyway, the the whole crux of this conversation, dear listener, which I appreciate isn't uh, wholly about gear, um, is uh, I saw this recently a uh, a transcription of a handwritten letter that John Frusciante wrote to Jimmy Page shortly before. Uh, Francis the Mute by the Mars Volta came out <clears throat> and it reads this is this is the letter Dear Jimmy thank you so much for coming to our show it meant so much to all of us to have you there there was something I needed to ask you but I didn't want to put it to you on the spot I figure I'll ask you in this letter and that way you are free to just not respond which, dear listener, he didn't, um, uh, if you so choose. Spoiler, spoiler with, alert. <laughs> yeah, with no offence taken. My best friend, Omar, is the guitarist and leader of the Mars Volta. They are my favourite band in the world. Their music comes from punk, salsa, progressive rock, and Led Zeppelin. And their singer, Cedric, 
um, the singer Cedric is an extraordinary singer. They are making a new record right now, and it would be Omar's dream to have you, Omar, and myself simultaneously soloing on a song. Omar and I have done a lot of simultaneous soloing with great results. We could do this by sending you a CD to play to, and you could record yourself on a computer and then send the file back to us in LA. If you are interested, let us know, since they are towards the end of the record. But not in a rush. All my best. John Frusciante. They are my favourite band ever. <laughs> it reads like a kid's school letter. My best friend Omar is making some music, and I would really like it if you would play the music with us. But, you know. Do you know, um, I... Two things. Two closing thoughts about John Frusciante. Um, I would highly recommend listening to the four... <laughs> four-part podcast with rick rubin on the broken record oh, podcast yes um they're very good and and you and you listen to that and i think the thing about john Fashante is he is just the embodiment of an artiste right do you know, yes. do you know what i mean he's just like all he lives for is music yeah. like you know and 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 that's like nothing in the world i'm sure other things in the world matter but it's almost like he just he knows every song like all he does is play songs all he does is play music and that's what he's he's lived lived um he's lived like for so long and i think that always comes out in like the interviews and stuff like that and the way he talks about other bands and other music Mm. but his like music knowledge is just insane um so i always find that like when you read that when you when you look at how he writes as well it's very weird handwriting. What um, um what John Fisher sorry, if you're not finished, carry on. No, <laughs> no, 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 go. <laughs> no, no. I was no, gonna go. say what um because you're such a big fan of John Fashante, have any of John Fashante's key effects made it onto your pedal board? I only bought effects based on John Fashante's pedal board right, right. at one point. So, so the um, ones that I know from an outsider is the wah, the Ibanez wah, that was a big thing, right? What was, what uh, was his, the wah? His Californication board was a DS2 or a right. DS1, an FZ3, a Phase 90, and I think a yeah wah pedal and yeah, i think in the, the earlier days it was just it was that ibanez wah right there yeah the, wh10 the yeah yeah wh10 um but it wasn't until i started playing guitar and then like by the way came out and then that's when he had like dl4 fm4 um you know always... Luke pedals by that point no that didn't come until stadium arcadium, arcadium. Right. but by the way which is i would say maybe my favorite chili peppers record mm-hmm. um because it's basically a john fashante solo record <laughs> starring other members of red hot chili peppers <laughs> um he basically wrote that entire record he wrote all the guitar right. parts he wrote most of the bass parts really most of um, the bass parts wow yeah there was there's a story quite a few interviews where at that point, like Flea almost left the band because John had come back in 1998 and they did Californication. It was really, it was like a really, obviously California is like a really raw record. And then they had a few years being on the road. Obviously they gained massive popularity and then made them, you know, well, yeah, basically like revived their entire career. Um, And then, yeah, by the time we got to, by the way, I think he'd like, he'd found his, 
vibe again I, I guess you would say and and he was coming in he was like writing basically everything wow. all that and he was listening to loads of like doo-wop and all that so that's where all the harmonies came in so he's doing yeah. all the vocal harmonies um you know so much of of that record is basically him and um he drove like a lot of the mixing of the record and i think basically like shunned out to the point where flea said that he felt like he had nothing to contribute to the band so he might as well leave um so yeah that record to me is probably my favorite for the textural work on that record is right wow but also an impactful record for me, just the how old I was, and obviously he was just the coolest guitar player at that. This point. is this is where there's only a few years between the two of us, but this is where the years really show on on this because for me, I think of by the way as late Chili Peppers. I guess because I, yeah. I, I was around for Californication when that mm. landed. That was a big deal. Um, mm. Whereas by the way was almost that was the Chili Peppers being very poppy, and I mm. really like by the way. Don't get me wrong; I, I think mm. that album is arguably my favourite Chili Peppers record. But I remember getting a lot of flack from friends for liking the Chili Peppers I, pop record. I guess um, I got really into the Chili Peppers through Kerrang, I guess. And Californication had probably just come out at that point. That was the, because that had the coolest video. It was like all CGI and it was just like, you know, they're all like, you're like, oh, this is so, and you know, and I, I guess, yeah, I was listening to them and that was at the point and maybe you're the same, Joe, but you saw something on Kerrang or MTV or whatever and you just went to LimeWire and downloaded it or <laughs> Napster and downloaded it. And so you just yeah. had random playlists of loads of individual songs. Yeah. And then I saw them in two... I'm sure I've said this. My first proper gig was them in 2001. Wow. wow. 2001 with the Mars Volta supporting. <laughs> because I remember saying to one older, I was like, so weird, because you were basically the first musician I ever saw on a big stage um greatest bass player of all time oh, amazing um but yeah and then by the way came out and it was like oh man he's using all these pedals and yeah. you know so i think the biggest thing so, for me so what was stays probably on your board that that's what from, stays from, on my board i guess yeah, from a freshon influence thing the, stays on your board. I don't know if I have anything on my pedal board that's actually John wow. Freshante influenced have you right outgrown now. him no but I always still think that he has some of the best guitar sounds. Um, and it always, to me, always had the coolest pedal boards. Always had the coolest pedal boards. And right. he's the only person that's never done like a proper rig rundown on like Premier right. Guitar or anything like that. Um, but I always remember when I was really getting into playing guitar, like I basically tried to have the same pedal board. DL4, I had an FM4. That's the reason I went and bought an FM4 because that solo on Throw Away Your Television. Just like, oh man, how's he doing yeah. that? It's like, you know, and you couldn't Google you. Well, you could, I guess, just about ask Jeeves. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I think the main the Yahoo. main source of information Yahoo. The main source of information at that point was guitargeek.com. Right? Is it yes, called Guitargeek at that point? Probably. Um, but yeah. Um, Anyway, massive tangent about John Fashante. Closing note about John Fashante. Um, there is strong rumours and now images that there will be a 62 John Fashante signature model. Really? Yeah. They- from Fender. 
Fender. From I mean, this is Fender. last week, Matt. We were talking about the fact that you know you can't get a signature model from Fender if you're over twenty, and you know, it, like basically, Fender are only interested in people played on the BBC, you know, um, prime time stuff. Like they're I, just pop. They're a Fender are a pop brand now. They're not for rock and roll musicians anymore. I, Yes, you can't deny the buying power of men between the ages of 35 and 45. <laughs> Even Fender can't get away from the fact that we're um, going to spend more money than the kids. Yeah, basically, there was he used what looked like um, not his guitar, but similar to his guitar a few right. months ago. And then there was a picture of his tech with six mexican fender boxes stacked on top of each other going back into the backstage and then a video has appeared of his tech playing a road worn oh yeah i mean his are a little more than road worn though his strat is a little bit more than road worn they're heavy relics yes so i think um i don't think they're well people were saying they don't think it's a custom shop the relicking looks a bit too smooth and a bit too glossy. Okay. Um, so I wonder if they'll be doing like a player series. Well, I'll put it out there right now. If Fender release a heavy relic sunburst rosewood neck strap with John Fashanti's name on it, I will buy one. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you go to JF Gear on Instagram, um, right. there is a really good picture of John Fashanti playing the repro strap. Um, wow. It does look very cool. And yeah. being a massive John Fashanti fan, I just basically want one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I, I'm seeing him again in the summer and I saw them last year and you've got to give it to him. Like, he's going, I'm still playing three full Marshall stacks. They're all cranked. Like, the stage volume <laughs> is still insane. They don't play to a click like it's all just just them jamming on stage like how music's supposed to be yeah it it just still feels like very much like four people on stage like playing in a band whereas you know i don't really listen to the music much but i watched the rig rundown of periphery and they've got loads of cool guitars and you know but then they're like yep just running into an axe effects and basically we have three identical axe effects and then it all runs off a midi click track and everything happens and I'm just like, that's cool because then you hear the record no, Matt, exactly Matt, the same no, as the record. Matt, you don't need to. You don't need to. You know, it's rubbish. I'm just yeah, yeah, it's, out there. it's rubbish. Just Come on, we don't, we don't need to pedals. be careful. We don't need to be careful around it. We, you can say what you think here on the podcast that you've been on for ten years. Well, look, the fact is that all these tech metal bands who get up there and stand still and play the records into a MacBook like they are there, these people don't know what it is to perform. And periphery do not know what it is to perform. Basically, and that is their flaw. Uh, it doesn't matter; they can play as many notes as they want. It's not interesting to watch. You know, that, that's that's yeah. I don't care. As I'm getting older, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what people know about what I think. I hate metal. I hate tech. I hate modern music. <laughs> tech metal. <laughs> it's awful. Um, it's awful, dear listener. Rock and roll. I don't care if I'm old school or boomery in my tastes. I like old rock and roll. Everything should still be exactly like that. Led Zeppelin, that's what all music should be. Uh, there's no greater pedal board than Omar Rodriguez circa 
2002. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but, you know, that was the one. That was the person who just went, oh, yeah, you can have a bunch of pedals on the floor, loads of pedals, and you can make loads of noise, and it's bloody great. Yeah. And uh, long should it continue. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, anyway, we we this is we should probably move on. This is half a, of the podcast. Uh, half of the we've... podcast has has, has gone, um, <laughs> but it, that's fine. Exactly. Oh well, I mean that's that. If if anything, that's a sign that we are halfway through the podcast, dear listener. It's time for us to let you know that the question duck has reminded me that after we finish podcasting here on the main episode, we'll be heading over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash surprisingly guitar nerds where each week matt and i discuss a topic or answer a question that's been asked on the guitar nerds facebook group facebook uh, well just you know the guitar nerds group on facebook i i almost go to say the url as if anyone's sitting there typing in dot <laughs> com it's the guitar nerds group on facebook do join it dear listener it's lots of fun um but we're gonna we're gonna maybe take some questions andy manley friend of the podcast Andy Manley had uh, had brought to my attention acorn amplifiers which I should know because Blake Wyland actually did a whole episode an interview with 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 the guys at acorn amplifiers but my goodness he mentioned them saying I've just stumbled into these guys on Instagram their pedals are bonkers and their amp looks incredible shame it doesn't look like anyone's doing them in the UK that's okay this is an international podcast anyway the stuff does look amazing so maybe we'll talk about that um and also possibly we'll talk about um some of the suggestions last week i asked people for suggestions about martial amplifiers i mean i kind of knew at the time but i guess i underestimated uh, the amount of kickback i would get from suggesting to an audience of people mostly between <laughs> 35 and 55 <laughs> that i don't like Marshall, the amplifier of choice for people over 40. Um, so, <laughs> so I got quite a lot of kickback for saying that I don't, I'm not too into Marshall because I find them a little bit uh, spandexy. Uh, but anyway, I got some great suggestions on Marshalls to get. So maybe we'll talk about those as well. We'll see. Um, but yes, yeah, there we go. That's, uh, that's what our Patreon is going to be. Matt, I got a bunch of stuff this week. I've been on holiday this week, dear listener. In fact, just like last week where I, I'd got off of a plane from, um, Copenhagen to podcast this week, I've just driven back from the new forest. Lovely bit of the country. Um, it is indeed. It is indeed. It, it it is indeed. I was I was there uh, there with my uh, my girlfriend and her sister and her sister's kids, and um, it was like a holiday park sort of thing with a lovely little cabin in the woods. They all went off with the kids, did axe throwing and laser tag and stuff like that, and I sat with my book and the dog <laughs> in in a cabin in the sun and a beer. And it was the best. I, I can't remember relaxing as much as I have done on this holiday. Um, <laughs> and and I, also, by what you're going to talk about, time on Facebook Marketplace and or Reverb. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, so I bought an, uh, a lot of things. I've got two bases, okay, and, uh, and there are a couple of pedals as well. So let's talk about the bases, first of all. So I got, um, first of all, I picked up, from uh my friend matt parker excellent bass player uh he listed this bass i didn't know he owned a warwick streamer 
but with a guild humbucker retrofitted into it <coughs> in a brown over gold crackled finish so almost looking like a like a leather wrap finish almost to the guitar with an old school guild pickup bang in the in the middle of the body um it looks so good. I know it's very difficult for it to come across on a yeah. podcast yeah. that people might listen to. And I'm sure you'll post some pictures, but um, I, I've always been a fan of the old Warwicks. I always thought the Warwick thumb was a cool bass. You like the uh, Warwick thumb? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I just I thought they were cool basses. I always remember going to watch Bosk many years oh, ago yeah. and uh, Tom plays a Warwick bass. And I just always thought they were just like the coolest like doom base Um, the thing the thing about the streamer body shape actually dear listener if you don't know this um is that the streamer isn't a shape that warwick invented it's a shape that specter invented and specter in fact sold the body shape to warwick for them to make as well and and using the money i think they rejuvenated specter you might have wow. to fact check me a, a little bit on on how much that money contributed to that side of it, but certainly the deal was Warwick could also make the streamer shape, and so Warwick did. You know, at, at that time, don't forget Warwick were doing a lot of that. They were buying mm. shapes. They bought, you know, uh, the um, the ox's buzzard shape oh, that was yeah, originally yeah, made yeah. by Status. So Warwick were going through a phase oh, of not designing their own things, but buying other people's shapes and then making them their own um and of course the buzzard has been way more of a success for warwick than it ever was for status i mean probably because warwick charged three grand for a a buzzard and status charged 10 (laughs) you know but but, um but the streamer lovely comfortable body shape that guild pickup it means that i've got all the comfortableness of a modern bass and all the tone of like an old gibsony style instrument it's basically like a playable vintage bass imagine that dear listener like <laughs> <laughs> never never exactly. i want all my vintage basses to be unplayable exactly. um what did was there were you always looking for something like this joe or did it just so happen to come up and just go that's the right thing for the right time well, it was a bit flippant, to be honest. It turned up on Facebook Marketplace for a very good price, and then I realized I knew the fella, so I was able to get a little bit of a deal out of him for the base. But um, honestly, it was uh, – I have a soft spot for work. Basically, I've been I've been going through a real Juan-ness at okay. the moment. So, so Juan Alderete – Delapia, the the greatest bass player of all time, in my opinion, dear listener. I've been looking back, I've been watching a lot of his videos. Of course, a couple of months ago, he released a video about how he's doing now. Dear listener, we've spoken about this on the podcast, but if you're not familiar, just before the COVID outbreak, um, Juan had an accident on his bicycle. No other vehicles involved, but he came off his bicycle, hit his head, and he went into a coma for three months. And when he came out, he was, you know, Three months is a long time to be in a coma, so he's suffered a lot of brain damage, physical damage. He had to go through full, you know, physical therapy, um, as well as just learning to speak again, as mm. you know, learning mm. to try and play bass again. There's so been so much involved in his recovery. Now, I did talk about it at the time because we we donated some money to his, uh, you know, to, to his his charity because, of course. 
Juan's a session player. He's a he's a player who makes his money off of having constant gigs, and he went from being in Marilyn Manson's band to waking up three months later in the middle of a pandemic. Absolutely, not, not being able to you know you know move mm. around as much as he was, and yeah. with no gig. It's so so the 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 charity is there to support him and his wife as much as it is to get him through physical therapy. Mm. It's mm. still going on now. He's still still recovering. Um, well worth checking that out, dear listener. I didn't push that sort of thing, but you know, like, well, well worth checking out. He is, in my opinion, the greatest bass player of all time. Well worth supporting the man. But uh, but I've been watching through his old videos of the stuff he did with Nick Reinhardt on pedalsandeffects.com. And, you know, I bought things like the Boss CS2, which he calls his, you know, like the one pedal he couldn't live without. He has a video all about that and about why that's the pedal that creates his sound. And I've been sort of, you know, like uh, the the whole Gaiatone obsession that I've got at the moment, which we'll talk about later on the podcast, is from watching some of the latest stuff he did with some of his hip-hop bands, these these old Gaiatone pedals. That yeah. Were, that were amazing. So, um, so, uh, so... Honestly, the, the the Warwick thing almost sprung from that as well, because towards the end of his career, um, Juan had actually moved to Warwick bases. He had a, a Jonas Helborg uh, custom, uh, sort of, you know, his version of that base was built by mm-hmm. Warwick. He was playing an idol maker in um, for um, Marilyn Manson, which is kind of a, a reverse uh, jazz master sort of shape essentially with a precision pickup in the middle he played an adam clayton which is the streamer body shape with a precision pickup gorgeous like white black plate maple neck black block inlays very nice Mm. very clean um and so i've sort of been like oh warwick they're the brand i've never really owned anything by and they were the essentially the last i mean the guy's still (laughs) playing you know he's it's not like he's not not playing anymore, but they were the brand he was playing towards the end of his time. Yeah. So I was like, mate, oh, maybe I need to get involved in Warwick. If it was good enough for one, it's definitely good enough for me. And I, just when I was thinking about this, I saw that bass come up and I was like, well, how, how more perfectly to get me into a brand that are essentially modern than a Warwick bass with a guild pickup in the middle. Like it's, so it's good. All, yeah, it's all the best bits. So, uh, so I got that, but more importantly, I got a 1972 fairy tale jazz bass this week. See, when you uh, when you said that, Joe, I, I assumed that when you said fairy tale jazz bass, it was like, you know, like people say, like the bass or the guitar of their dreams. I thought <laughs> yeah. you just meant like, oh, it's the bass of my fairy tales. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but yes. in fact, it's an actual brand. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very little-known Japanese brand from the 70s. Um, so, of course, dear listener, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that I used to buy and sell vintage Japanese guitars and basses, um, Grecos, uh, Tokais, you know, the Orvilles, um, Bernies, all of those sorts of things. I used to mm. buy and sell those Yamahas. Stuff like that. Um, this uh, fairy tale was, in fact, this is a 1972, the one I've got. Fairy tale was a brand that were actually Ibanez in the early 70s, but it was a guitar shop in Zurich in Switzerland right. that wanted their own brand. Think about that in the 1970s. 
this is before that existed, before OEM brands existed. Right. But this awesome, I can't remember the name of the shop now, but this Zurich, Switzerland guitar shop wanted their own brand of guitars. And so, so they commissioned Ibanez to build the same instruments, but basically to actually cut the headstocks exactly like Fenders or exactly like Gibsons and put Fairy Tail. The reason for Fairy Tail being their name was they could do the Fender F on the uh, on the front. Unbelievable. So, it's, uh, it, it, in hindsight, it's a terrible name for a brand. <laughs> it's a terrible name for a brand. Sure, sure. Um, but, I mean, good on them, I guess. You know, it's like... <laughs> Oh, we want our own brand. I, I find it. I I don't know why brands did that at that point. Were they not making enough money? Did they just go? We need to do something different to the other person round the corner. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know what American imports were like in Europe in the seventies to maybe make Japanese imports look more tenable. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, something to do with that. I, yeah, I mean that's obviously why in the UK you saw so many sort of like brands like. Watkins and all that, all those kind of British bands do really well because obviously you couldn't get Fender. Fender were expensive yeah. people. You couldn't import them. They were too much money. Um, you know, they were too rare. They weren't making enough. There were no reps here or whatever. Um, so you had a lot of those other brands. And then obviously you started seeing a lot of more Japanese stuff in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. But interesting, they kind of just went, well, I, you know, for us, for Roland, I think one of the first places, the first country to sell Roland outside of Japan, first European country, um, was Switzerland, I think. Really? Oh. Yeah. So there must have been some sort This is maybe something that I'd like to look into. What was the Switzerland push in the guitar world in the 70s that caused this? Why was it a Swiss shop and not a uh, like a London shop or you know, a Paris shop or, or you know, a I, Berlin I shop. couldn't say for certain, but I would imagine it probably has something to do with the general wealth of the population in <laughs> Switzerland um, versus a lot of other countries. Sure. Um, you know, I, I remember talking to going to Guitar Summit one year and talking to, um, sat down with, with Sasha from Grasso Effects and and uh, talking to some people there and they're just like, people have just got more money in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if it had something to do with that and people could just afford it and they wanted their own thing. Generally, I don't know, but might have something to do with it. But possibly and probably. But, um, mm. but yeah, I mean, the quality of this instrument, 1972, jazz bass the dimensions are exactly fender i even checked a plate cut for it and it's identical so you know the it's it's literally a fender bass made in the 70s but in japan <laughs> by ibanez and with fairy tale written on the headstock so it's got all that gorgeous lacquer checking and everything wow um, so i couldn't have been happier the the bass i've been watching it for some time because i'd never heard anything about the brand and it was listed it was 1200 pounds and i was like I don't know, that's, that's a lot for that time period. Not that they're not worth it, but you can get them for less. So I sort of watched it and then came down to mm. 900. Then the guy offered 700 and I messaged him and offered him five and he accepted that. So I got it for 500 quid. But I will say, I did message the guy about this. On the listing, he was like, oh, it's been my main jazz bass for years. 
I uh, I got it. it. It turned out neck pickup doesn't work. Not wired in. The neck not it, not wired in. Like well, well, uh, so uh, I opened it up and I was like, oh, the soldering's worn away, so it's not connected, like to that point. So. I don't believe you, mate. It's not you. It's not been your main jazz bass because this hasn't been <laughs> this hasn't been played for years. Uh, the neck was so bowed the other way that the strings were like I didn't have any frets above the fifth. And when I took the plate off to adjust the truss rod, the truss rod had seized, and I was able to loosen it up. But that truss rod hadn't been touched for you know a long flipping time, like a decade, wow. like you know more. Wow. And and also it stunk. It's oh. like the strings, like if you played it, it stunk. And I know some oh, players man. are sweaty, but like he hadn't bothered cleaning it. Like this wasn't your main jazz bass. Yeah, I messaged the guy about so it grim. being like, I I really like the bass is still worth it to me because I can rewire the pickups. I can, you know, I can sort this out. Put some more EMGs in it. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you haven't played this bass. And also you're clearly a crap bassist if if like you you either don't play bass or you're crap because mm. you didn't realize that this neck had bananaed the other way and and that was fine tip for you to say i just it really annoys me when people lie uh, on selling secondhand stuff like that like just just be honest just say it's not set up if it's if it's so it's yeah. saying i'm useless and a pointless human being who shouldn't exist or play an instrument but this is an instrument for sale i'd have been like fine but yeah, he claimed it was his main one. I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I just, it, it's not worth any more money. I know. But it's not worth any more money if you've played it or not played exactly. it. The but, only difference you know. would have been I would have known how much work I need to do for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know why people do it. I, I mean, I haven't really bought a lot of second-hand guitars of of value and by value i mean like a few hundred quid and above i get um, it a lot because i do buy them and i find most people lie and most people don't know how to set up an instrument I, most like a, a lot of guitars that i bought in the past have been in awful condition when they turn mm, up and yeah. i think it's because maybe it's something more exclusive to bass players because i think a lot of bass players are bass players because they suck at music and so you get <laughs> <laughs> i say that as a bass player who loves bass but I think a lot of people who take up bass take up bass because they like the idea of being in a band, not necessarily, you know, being a musician. And so, so yeah, often think, you get these just poor quality things. I, do you know what? I think what it is, actually, you know, you say a lot of people don't know how to set up their instrument. I genuinely think that's it. I mean, until recently, I would never touch, you know, when we when I worked at, at, at GAC, you know, we would clean things and if they were really bad we'd give it to graham or you know someone there and i'd always taken my guitars to text not because i thought i couldn't do it but i was paying for convenience but it is expensive and costs have gone up and that's understandable and those yeah. people need to make a living and uh, you know in the place i was taking it um stairway to kevin great great tech um on denmark street um they're so busy that he's like, oh, we're not doing yeah. things like refrets anymore or anything like that. It's like, this is the setup service, like, you know, and they're churning through a bunch of day and people never learn that skill. And I don't want to say everyone go out and learn how to do setups because you're going to, so that guitar techs don't have any work, but you know, cause there's certain things that it is a skill. It's, you, you know, you are a luthier. That's your job yeah, in there's yeah. certain things you learn to do. But in terms of, 
um, basic setups. Like I am really like more of a convert now of like, you should be able to change your set of strings and be able to put a, a set it up for how you want it. And you should be able to check stuff. And when you change strings, you should be able to clean it properly. Um, and, and it does make the world of difference. And I've found that all the guitars that I've been doing at home, they just, they play and sound better than they have done because I've spent the time and tweaked it to exactly how I want. And I've taken time to set it up, set the action, you know, check the truss rod, all of that, clean it, clean the frets, you know, really take a lot of time over and go, if it's not right, you've got chance to fix it. And I think that's, I remember talking or I think it was someone pedal builder. It might've been Josh from JHS was saying once that like, you you kind of have to make mistakes like if you don't make mistakes if stuff never breaks if you built a hundred pedals and none of them went wrong you'd never learn anything like because it's actually by the process of things not working and then getting them to work is where you learn what's how to fix a problem rather than like you know, you just kind of do it and you're like, oh, it's great because it's fine. It never goes wrong. And then when it does go wrong, you've got no experience. You kind of need obstacles to yeah. kind of overcome. But I, I I, I, think, you know, it's a lot of times people just don't spend the money. They don't know how to do it themselves and they leave things and then things end up becoming sort of like unplayable, just yeah, yeah. dirty, dingy. and I think people often don't realise how good a guitar can be and how much, 100%. How much of that is involved in a setup. I mean, let's talk about that, Matt, because you, you, you've you recently, you've you've been on a little bit, you were constantly sending, I was on holiday and I was just receiving photos that you were sending me of guitars that you'd set up as if, yeah. as if those pictures <laughs> were going to show me that the guitar was set up. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> I've just been getting in, into it more and more and, and I can't thank uh, sort of Music Nomad enough for how easy they make it with their setup kit. I've got the... Um, uh, not the no, I don't, have, I don't have the Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, they do um, a product. I've got a lot of their cleaning products as well. Um it is the is it the tool set maybe if that's no that's not it but basically one of their i I will find it one of their setup kits which comes with like the the fretboard radiuser and then it's like but the main thing is it comes with a step-by-step book and it's like do this do this do this do this yes and step by step and then you just get to the end yeah it's it's genuinely really helpful but you know it's interestingly i've read that book like a hundred times now <laughs> every time i change the strings i always check like you know trust not things aren't going to move that much do you know what i mean but even yesterday i realized that i was sort of reading one of the gauges slightly wrong and i was like oh actually the treble side needs to be this and the bass side needs to be that and because you just get onto an autopilot and of then course. i went back and did it all and i was like oh actually this makes like a massive difference um so I, I spent, yeah, best part of Sunday doing a few setups and changes. And the biggest thing was uh, for me that I did a, I put 11s to 49s on my Paisley Strat, which I'd actually had a tech 
do because the wiring was pretty funky. It wasn't grounding very well. Wait, wait, and I've just quite low on a, on a set of 11s, right? Um, I use 52. Ah, well, like 11 to 49 and 11 to 52. So you get like, I guess, like skinny top, heavy bottom. Right, yeah. So that's the thing. But yeah, 11 to 49s. And I've had it rewired, but I just, ever since I've had the guitar, I've not like really, really gelled with it loads and loads and loads. Right, and at one right. point, I think we got sent some saddles from a company. So I put these saddles on it and it's always just sat there and I've always sort of struggled with it. And it's a chorus. I love the guitar. And I was like, right, I'm going to do a couple of things i'm gonna because when i was playing i kept noticing the b always always just like went out of tune and i was like i'm right certain that it's because the the nut slot is gripping the string and then it's obviously um it, that it's getting stuck and then obviously it's moving when i'm using the trim so i bought uh one of their music nomad nut files they sell them individually so i bought one for that specific slot And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to put fresh, clean, white hardware back on it. Um, I sent you some pictures, Joe, but yeah, Yeah. how like orange the pickups had gone (laughs) over time. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to put the Callahan saddles back on because the stainless steel saddles. I'm going to reset the trem up and just spent a lot of time over it. Really like carefully, like did the radius, did the setup. And then I plugged it in and was like, perfect. And I was like, yeah man it's such a it's just it's almost like playing a brand new guitar it was just like it just felt perfect i was like man i just wish i'd done this before and i wish i'd known how to do it before um so so i did that spending a lot of time just sort of tweaking a lot of the guitars and like i kind of always want all of my guitars to play exactly the same I just want them to sound different. Like, and of course, when you play a Les Paul, it feels different to a Strat and you've got different, um, I I guess, you know, different feel, different radius and all that sort of stuff. But I kind of want all of them to feel the same. I don't really want them to be all like totally different. Um, So I spent a lot of time doing that and then kind of getting those things up. But it was amazing just even like putting fresh hardware on. And then putting like fresh pickups on and just having nice white pickup covers. I was like, oh, just it felt really freshening the guitar. Yeah, what year is that? What year? Eighty-eight, which was the first year. What did I read the other day? Wait, what's your birth year? Eighty-seven. Annoyingly, Ah, annoyingly. Um, I think it was the first Strat to come out in that finish and one of the first to come out of Japan of, really? from the Fender Japan factory. Oh, that's I think very one of the, cool. That's one a of the very first, cool story. I can't remember. I'd have to Google it. Someone would probably correct me and it's probably totally wrong. But, um, and it's because it's the proper Paisley finish. Um, so it's the foil undercoat with the burst ah, yes. around it as well. And I'm glad I just got it finally set up. But one of the things that I started experimenting with um, involves sandpaper um and You're not taking sandpaper to an 88 no so i because obviously they are actually they're nitro bodies um but one of the things is obviously most of my necks have satin satin finish but obviously satin finish does still build up a level of grease and and dust and um i was watching a video with matt from monty's 
about making a, a satin neck and i was like well i'm not going to strip right, all right. the finish off obviously but it is quite sticky it's like nitro it's quite old oh, obviously for it's 40 sake. years old for goodness um, sake so Get over I, it, Matt. no i will not um so i just used some quadruple o y wool uh-huh. um and it just like it just takes off a bit of that extra grit and grime and just makes it feel really clean right. and then just a bit of um monty's instrument food oh. um, wait what's the instrument food the is instrument food is like a beeswax like a wax oh lovely um it's really good for like open pore finishes um but yes yeah, and but then what i did do was take more sandpaper to the ed o'brien and just kind of really got the ultimate uh, satin feel to it. That's and, a satin uh, neck, anyway, isn't it? It yeah, is, but it's got a very, very slight lacquer to it because it it's not right. completely open. Um, and then I spent a bit of time just cleaning up the frets. God, and just I love that guitar. I, st- I still think that's your best guitar. I must admit, I do think I regret not buying one when they it came. It is out. one of the best guitars. I think it's that, and the it's difficult because I love all all of my guitars in different ways. But that Ed O'Brien. I set it up and I was doing, I there's the first class happens. I'm going to do this one first. And I've got an idea of what I want to do. And I bought new, I, I bought some stainless steel saddles for it. I right. bought like a new kit. So it had like a stainless steel trim block. Um, and it came with extra springs. I was like, I'm going to get it properly locked against the body. Cause I'm not using the trim on that. And, um, I set it all up. And then the next day I was like, it doesn't feel right. Like, why does it not feel like it did before? And I hadn't really changed the, truss rod or the action then i realized when i looked at the string packet in the bin that i'd put 11 to 52s on it rather than 11 to 49s so i went back a better gauge uh, well i went back and reset it all up and i was like oh this sounds way better um it's all the best bits of a telly in that it feels like a telly on the neck mm. and all the best bits of a strap in that it sounds like a strap like it's uh, I, i love that guitar i think it's so brilliant yeah i um I just think it's it's just a brilliant, brilliant guitar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. I I really would advise anyone to just spend some time learning how to set up a guitar. Yeah. Um, but what it's made me want is to modify and buy more cheap guitars and clean them up and <laughs> just like make old guitars. You can you can good. do it. You can do it, dear listener. You can make these things better. I bought, like, mm. I'm still working on it now, so I haven't talked about it much, but I've got this Greco uh, electric bass, one of their Greco jazz basses, a 1970 Greco. And I bought it as an unplayable instrument. It's, it's buggered. Like, the truss rod is done. Um, right. But uh, using a shim... You know, and like I can get this thing playable, and it is one of the best sounding basses. Like, I guess I'm not there yet. I'm not finished on it. But what I'm saying is, yeah, I agree. You can you can make anything play very very well if you put the time and the attention into it, and you don't necessarily need a tech for that. You just need to learn what you're doing. And Music Nomad are a <laughs> great way to learn that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I um, was just looking here. So what I've been using is the um, 
Oh, I've lost it now. Setup gauge set, the six-piece right. setup gauge set. So that comes yeah. with the radiusing tool, the, the truss rod tool, um, the action tool, and then um, a few bits on there. But they actually do a really nice starter bundle kit, and that comes with some screwdrivers. That's probably what I – in fact, that is the kiss set, the uh, um, start it's bundle kit. So you, you get um, – you get all the screwdrivers you need with adjustable ends. You get a truss rod kit, Allen key kit, and then you get the um, sort of the rest of the gauges and stuff like that, which is quite right, cool. Right. Um, so, yeah, I definitely just advise one of those and then just a bit of a workbench and just go through the book like yeah. really slowly and just go through it step by step and just trial and error. Um, Absolutely. And just, you know, get some good, make sure you've got some good cleaning stuff i mean i don't play all my guitars probably as much as you play all your basses but i just found that you know i probably change the strings once every like four months even if i don't play them just because you know temperature and humidity and all that and just gives you a chance to clean and check everything especially since the last time i did a setup was january and since yeah, then, we've right. had like no heating, loads of heating. Mm. Um, we've had like gas fire in here because our radiator stopped working. We've had like high humidity, like totally dry. Um, and all the guitars have fared really well, but it's always worth just going back through and of just course. giving those yeah. a few tweaks. Yeah, they're not immortal. You've got to keep an eye on them. You know, they're, you know, mm. they need, need some attention. Now, before we go, dear listener, because we are coming to the end, I did want to talk about the absolute legend, uh, the listener, um, Levi Cooper in Australia, who uh, a few weeks ago, when I said I'm starting collecting these Gaiatone micro pedals because I picked up their FL3, their flanger, which I still find to be, dear listener, I played a demo of it a few weeks ago, and I'm like, this is one of the best modulation pedals ever inspired obviously by Juan Aldrete using them. Um uh Levi got in touch with him and was like, well I've got the MC2, which is their micro chorus. Um and you know if you pay postage I'll send it from Australia. Unbelievably couple of days, maybe three. Australia is the other side of the planet. <laughs> like uh, I couldn't believe how quick it was, you know. Anyway, so he sent me this free, which is very lovely of Levi and the MC2 Gaiatone. Dear listener, look up a picture if you're not familiar with these pedals. They are the weirdest shape, top-mounted jack, 80s build, rubber base. Yeah, you heard me. Just this weird, I don't know, sort of shaped top. Um, Two controls, depth and rate. That's it. That's all you get on the MC2. And one of the most fantastic sounding choruses I've ever heard. It will do everything from a subtle chorus on these two controls right up to an actual vibrato. So... I recorded. Um, I've recorded a little demo that I'll play to you now. I'm changing the settings. I'm basically making them slightly more extreme, sort of throughout, like bits and bobs here and there. Um, so the solo was like lots of different takes that I've sort of sandwiched together with slightly different settings. But you hear just how good this is as a subtle tone thickener, which is of course the bread and butter. The underrated bread and butter of a chorus better is a tone <laughs> thickener, right up to a full on vibrato this pedal is fantastic let's we're going to give it a listen now and uh and then we'll talk about it after
That guitar underneath that you heard resonating at the end, which was a full-on tremolo-esque vibrato, was just... And I was just playing like a an octave chord of E the whole way through just to, to fill out, to back up that lead mm. line. That was just the depth and the rate maxed out on, on the Gaetone chorus. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, because obviously vibrato is where... It's, vibrato and chorus are the same thing. It's just vibrato's got no... Uh, dry signal right. um, so chorus is generally it's obviously like if you take a j- jazz chorus it's created because you've got a vibrato in one speaker and a dry speaker in the other and the two together give you that that sound so i wonder um, if actually just going full depth then on the mc2 the gaitone mc2 i'm removing the dry signal yeah I, I i do wonder but that sounds it was great i thought it was real it didn't sound too over the top in the mix but it you know you could tell it was there um i thought it sounded i think it sounded great it sounded yeah. and that that vibrato sound at the end was really good yeah, I should have focused on that a little bit more. I didn't because I only wrote, I only played it in at the end, like underneath, because I felt everything needed a thickening. So I didn't really hear it exposed until that chord was drowning out. I was like, oh my goodness, that is a that is a lovely, lush, thick vibrato tone coming mm. from this weird little guy tone chorus. Yeah, yeah, I think interestingly, MC two here. I'm just having a look. Has uh. Yeah, so that was mid-80s. Um, does everything from swirling classic chorus to Leslie effects. Um, I've rarely heard a better chorus pedal. Um, I think that, interestingly, uses the same Panasonic chips as some other of the more famous chorus pedals of the really? time. Right. Um, so I think... Um, I guess lots of them probably use the same one at that sort of point, but I think it sounded really, really good. Really Um, really good. Really good. Now I'm in a dilemma because I can't fit both of the flanger and the chorus on my board. Whilst I want to collect all of the pedals, I've only really got one space to offer up to a Gaiatone. And I was like, it's going to be the flanger. But I don't know what I'm going to do now. Maybe next week, dear listener, I'll give you guys a sample of playing with the Gaitone FL3 and a sampler playing with a Gaitone MC2 and um, and you can tell me which one's better because there's one space on my board for it and I want to pick the best one. Yeah, well, I'd be I'd be interested. Uh, almost like a blind. I mean, yeah. obviously the sounds oh, that's are a, good a little idea. Bit Shall I not tell the listener good. which one it is? Yeah, I'll just say one and two, and then three and four. Maybe I'll give four examples and uh, two of each, but I won't say which one's which. And Sounds good to me. Let me know. That's I like a good the idea, idea. That. that is a good idea. Well, anyway, dear listener, that is all the time we have for on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds. If you'd like to get in touch with me and Matt to ask a question or for any reason at all, um, then you can get in touch with us. If you want to email info at guitarnerds.net, DM us on Instagram, ask in the open forum on our Facebook group. If you're a Patreon supporter, you can contact us through there. We're heading over to Patreon to talk about this week's question of the week. You can join us there. Visit patreon.com forward slash guitarnerds for all the info on how to sign up and support our lovely community. Uh, You can do that for as little as a dollar a month, believe it or not. Anyway, thank you for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Goodbye.
Well, that's it for another week of the Guitar Nerds podcast, which only leaves me to say thank you eternally and very, very muchly to all of our top-tier Patreon backers. Thank you very much to Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Russ Meehan, Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Jorin Brown, John Conway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einsler, Mark Hisiao, Kaduaki, Stuart Robson, Eric Vile, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and the wonderful Moog Graphic. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 